0: It is August 2nd, 2023, and we're in the book of Deuteronomy. So we are at 26, Deuteronomy 26. And the little heading in my Bible says, The Law of the Offering of First Fruits. Now, to get a little background on uh, this chapter and about first fruits, We're going to read a few verses out of Exodus 23, starting with verse 14 of Exodus 23. It says, three times, am I a little loud? Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded thee. In the time appointed of the month Abib, for in it thou camest out from Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, the firstfruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. Three times in the year, all thy males shall appear before the Lord God. Thou shalt not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, neither shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until the morning. The first of the first fruits of thy land shalt thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God." All right, now, in, uh, Deuteronomy, back in Deuteronomy. Oh, now notice in, uh, when we were reading that out of Exodus and you see the month of Abib, you, sometimes when you're, when you're doing studies on the feast and the Passover, different, different things, you might see, have seen the month Nisan. So which is it? Is it Abib or is it Nisan? Well, it depends on which calendar you're looking at, which we don't even use those calendars today, so you wouldn't be looking at those calendars. So Nisan is from the Babylonian calendar and the nation of Israel ended up adopting that calendar, those names of those months. They ended up using it for their civil calendar for keeping up with the year. Now these three feasts that you see here coincided with with some significant harvest times, which would make sense. So you would have a harvest time, so you can have this feast. That just makes logical sense. Now you you also see in the Bible where it's the first month, Abib. Well, we know that a, uh, Passover is very close to what the pagan holiday of Easter would be, and that would be what month? What month is that? April. So. How is that the first month? Well, their calendars actually made a little more sense because spring is when everything comes forth. Everything starts to sprout and bloom. Things start coming in. That's the beginning. So their calendar was better in that regard. Our calendar starts in January. How depressing. So that's why it's the first month but what it's called could be different depending on which calendar. So I guess the Hebrew calendar is Abib, and then the Babylonian calendar is Nisan. But there's also a place in the Bible where it talks about Passover and then it will say the second month. Right, Joseph? He'll say the second month. What does that mean? Is it the first month or is it the second month? Well, from what I understand, they had a, another Passover in the second month, just in case there were people who couldn't make it to the first one. Does that sound right? So, there was. Uh, you, you will see that in the Bible. You will see a place where it will say, in the second month. But the Passover is in the first month of the Jewish calendar which is springtime, all kinds of cool stuff you, you find out when you're studying, you're getting into the Word, and then, um, in, all right, let's read a little bit out of Deuteronomy 26, and it shall be, let's, let's pray, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening, Father, we're just, we're excited about learning your Word, and Father, we are so grateful that we can come together and open up your word. And, and Father, we want to understand it better. We want to be able to um, be more able to do those things that we're called to do. Father, we, we know that we, each one of us, as being your children, being, being servants to you, uh, we want to live a life that is, has purpose to it. And Father, that purpose should be uh, going out and being a minister to our Lord and Savior Jesus. So Father, we are here for that reason. We come here to lift you up, to learn, and to be better equipped to go out into this hurting world. And Father, we have those opportunities that we can talk to people and, and uh, <clears throat> give, give hope uh, in this hurting world. Father, we ask that you would give us uh, the knowledge and just be able to, to recognize those times when we have an opportunity and to be able to um, say the right things to turn a person's heart towards you. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Deuteronomy 26, verse 1. And it shall be when thou art come in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance and possesseth it and dwelleth therein that thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth which thou shalt bring of thy land that the Lord thy God giveth thee and shalt put it in a basket and, and shalt go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. And thou shalt go, go unto the priest that shall be in those days, and say unto him, I profess this day unto the Lord thy God that I am come unto the country which the Lord swear unto our fathers for to give us. So for the reason, that, for that very reason, that's why I'm doing this because he's, they're recognizing, so it's not just that you're bringing a basket in, people will automatically, they'll, they'll just focus in on the basket and the first fruits. And, and this could be a little bit confusing after the message that I did a couple Sundays ago on, uh, you know, Cain brought all of those good vegetables and fruits and it was not accepted. Well, here you're telling me that I'm supposed to do that. Well, you, you have to understand the order of things, and Cain and Abel, that whole, that whole picture, that story, is the very first one, and you gotta get the first part right before you move on to the second part. So it's critical to understand first things first before you get into... You could have somebody come in and they could miss true salvation and just start doing doing the service and doing the the walk, the Christian walk. And if they missed the first thing, then all of that's in vain. They're still, they're just they're, they're they might be a better person, they might be working to be better, and they might be beneficial to the church, but if they miss that first thing, then they're going to struggle in all those things eventually they'll just struggle so if you see a person who comes to church on a regular basis and they are struggling to do the right things that the bible calls us to do maybe they've missed the first thing which is bringing of the little lamb to the altar and that's truly believing that jesus did it all to pay for our sins and eliminate it. You know, our sins are gone, and then we don't have to worry about sins ever again. He's gonna, and then he's going to keep us pure because of the washing of the Word. Okay? Now, once you get past, now you'll notice in, in Hebrews not that long ago, uh, well, I say not that long ago, it's been a while, because we've been in Hebrews for a long time, but there was that place in Hebrews where it says, now leaving uh, the simple salvation message of Jesus Christ, you've got to leave that and move on to all these other things. Okay, So you, you have these people who go overboard on salvation is by grace, and no works at all on your part, you know, and all that's true, but that's for salvation. Well then, once you have salvation, are you going to just sit back and wait to die? Or wait for Jesus to show up? And do absolutely nothing. Almost afraid to do any good work, because somebody might say, see there, you're doing good works. So... This here is talking about inheriting blessings from God. Are you his? Have you made him yours? You know, he, he he has sought us. He's come after us. And he won't he won't take us and make us go with him, but he has come after us. Uh, you know, we've been talking about the story of Boaz and Ruth. Boaz did not go after Ruth and grab a hold of her and say, You're mine now. Come on. He didn't do that. Notice how the story plays out. He saw her and wanted to protect her. He wanted to love her. He wanted to marry her. That's Jesus. He has seen us. He wants to protect us. He wants to love us and he wants to marry us, but he won't make us do it. And then it's up to us to be through the word, whether you have read it for yourself, you've heard it preached, you've listened to so-and-so on the radio or on a podcast, and you're hearing the word, and you're hearing about all this, and it's up to you to respond or to walk away from it. There are so many people out here that just walk away from it. They want no part of it. So, this first fruit is something that we do after salvation. And we're moving on, and now we're supposed to... All right, so we were talking about how the focus would be on the basket. Well, notice what the the person was supposed to do. They're supposed to come... To the priest, they're supposed to come into where the altar is, hand it to the priest, and the priest was, is, he'll set it down before the altar. but, but the person was supposed to have this uh, proclamation. He's supposed to say things to make sure everybody knows why he's doing what he's doing. He could just be doing it because it's law. He's just doing it because everybody else does it but are you doing it because you truly understand that everything you have comes from God and that you want to make sure that you, you want to honor Him and you trust Him to provide for you so you're going to bring the first fruits in and give it up for God. Even because, and you're, you're saying, look, God, this is yours anyway. All of it that I have that you provided for me is yours. And I'm just showing this little representation. So that's where we get the uh, that's where we get the tithe from in, in churches today. You know, we bring the tithes into the storehouse. That's where we get that from. Is this principle right here? And it's got a purpose behind it. You you want to be able to uh, have the place of worship. You want to be able to keep it up. You want to be able to have the workers in the the place of worship. And you want to be able to feed those who are hungry. So what you bring in, if everybody brought in the first fruits, then we would have plenty enough for all those purposes. So that's the principle of this. But notice what he says And verse 3, I profess this day unto the Lord thy God that I am come unto the country which the Lord sware unto our fathers for to give us. And the priest shall take the basket out of thine hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God, and thou shalt speak and say, before the Lord thy God, a Syrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few and became there a nation, great, mighty, and populous. Well, who is that? Now, this is, the, this is Israel, right? This is the nation of Israel. And they walk in with this basket, and then they say, Before the Lord thy God, a Syrian... Ready to perish was my father. Who is that? It's Jacob. And you're like, he wasn't a Syrian. Oh, really? Well, how many years did he spend in uh, Padan Aram, where, where Uncle Laban was? How many years did he spend down there? And that was in the land of Syria. So even though he was a Jew, or he, you know, he's a Hebrew, Jacob is a Hebrew, but yet he left his land. He went to that land, and he lived there. In Hosea 1212, I think it's interesting that it's 1212, it says, And Jacob fled into the country of Syria, and Israel, which is another name for Jacob, served for a wife, and for a wife he kept sheep. Interesting, isn't it? Okay, so what you're doing here is you're looking at what Israel went through. They were diminished down to very few. They were not much. They were in a really bad, go to the next verse here, And the Egyptians, evil entreated us and afflicted us and laid upon us hard bondage. They were in a bad spot. They were were slaves in in Egypt. They're supposed to be remembering all of this. And when they get into the land, they are going to have so much. They're, They're going to have a land that flows with milk and honey, right? They're going to have clusters of grapes that are going to be so big. They're going to have all of this prosperity there, and that's going to be a danger to them. They need to remember where they came from and what little they had and who is providing for all of this. Don't forget it, is what what Moses is trying to tell these people. Okay, so... um, Let's talk about the first fruits a little bit more. Why bring in the basket of first fruits? Why? One reason to acknowledge God as the giver of all those good things which are the support and comfort of our our natural life. We, just, we have to live a natural life here on this earth. And Therefore, to serve and honor Him with those things He provides, we're supposed to serve and honor Him in that. Number two, to deny ourselves. We're always looking out for ourselves, right? To deny ourselves. So, what is the first thing that ripens we are the most fond of? You know, when you plant, if you, if you plant a garden and you go through the effort of prepping everything, finding the right plants, protecting them, maybe even growing them from seed, and you just, you're cherishing these plants, you put them in the ground, you watch them, you got to protect them from all the critters that want to get to it, and you do all of that stuff and you're anticipating the fruit. You see it start to come in and you're waiting for the first ripe fruit. Now. I've done that. I've gone out and I've picked the first tomato. And I remember it was, I think it was a German Johnson. It's big, huge. Brought it in. And I can remember Anna planting uh, watermelons. And we finally got one, big one. And I went and got that thing and brought it in. That was the first one. And we cut into that. It was the sweetest. Best watermelon ever. It was the first fruit. That tomato, when it was a different year, that was the best tomato of the whole year, that first one. It was huge. Never got another one like the rest of the year. So we should, we should have given those up. Really, that's the first fruit. We're supposed to give it up, but we wanted it. We put forth all that effort and we want it. So I don't know if it really tastes better, Or if it's just because it's the first one and you haven't had you don't have anything to compare it to from from the year ago. But it's always the best. So we're, we're very fond of the first one, but but we should prefer the glorifying of his name before the gratifying of our own appetites and desires. That's what giving up of the first fruit is teaching us that it's better to glorify his name than gratifying our appetites and desires um i remember a long time ago when i worked at a um, a factory and my dad worked there as well and there was a there was a guy that worked with us he was a crazy crazy dude i think he lived in probably Franklin County or something, but him and some buddies that lived in the area, they were always competing to see who got the first tomato, the first ripe tomato, and they would brag about it, they would start them early, and, and uh, whoever got the first one got the bragging rights, and they were so into it, so the one guy, he went over to his friend's house with a really bright red apple, And he went out into his garden, and he he, he looked from the driveway to where he would see it when he pulled in his driveway. And he went out there and he hung that tomato on the, that apple on the tomato plant. And uh, so when the guy comes home, you know, he, he just, he's like, no way, I've never had one this early. And he jumps out of the car and he's running over to the garden and he walks up to it. And then he's looking around to see who's watching from the woods, you know. He was so embarrassed, but that's what they would do. But you're, you're so anticipating um, that first ripe fruit. Okay, let's go on to uh, number three. This third reason that we should be into this and know about first fruits and be willing is to give to God the first and best we have. And it's not just in the fruits that we produce but think about it think about all the different ways that we're, we're we should give God the first and the best so that's why we come to church on Sunday because Sunday is the first day of the week and we dedicate the first day of the week to him the first and the best for him if you were to do Bible reading or devotions prayer time When's the best time to do it? It would usually be the very first part of the day. You wake up early. You, you've just woken up. As I get older, I'm nowhere close to well stricken in years, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but as I get older, I notice that at the end of the day, if I try to read the Word of God and try to study, it's like I'm waking up going, all right, where was I at? So the first thing in the morning is the best time. So I need to give the Lord the first and best part of my day as well. Uh, In in Jeremiah, there's a verse in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 2 :2 says, uh, go and cry. This This is God telling Jeremiah to go do this. He says, go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. So, the time of our life. You know, there are people who get so into their careers, and they want to build this big empire, and they put God on the back burner, and they want to use their youth when they're, when they're, have, have energy and they go out and they do all these other things trying to build wealth and then they're like, well, later in life when I, when I get things settled, then I'll, I'll, maybe I'll go to church more, maybe I'll do something for God. Well, that's another way of putting God second or third. It's not uh, giving Him our first and best. So we should be more, we, we, we're better at ministry when we're young. So we, we, you know, and there's nothing wrong with one day when you do get older and, and then you uh, want to start doing things for. I'm not saying that that was terrible on your part that you waited so long, but if you intentionally, you know, put God on the back burner so that you can do other things, you're not giving Him your 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 first and best. So that's something to think about. It's not just the fruits; it's your time your youth, all kinds of things. Certain people, you know, there's people that you will put before God. Uh, um, We were at the jail. Hank Cameron was teaching last night at the jail in Bible study, and uh, he was talking about how he was telling the guys at the jail, you know, his wife uh, loves God way more than she loves him. And he said, that's great. That makes our marriage better. When when she loves God, puts Him first, and then I'm second, he said that's a good thing. Now, what causes what causes uh, the earth to produce for us the the, where we live? God has given us this place, and I didn't mark it, but I'm pretty sure it's Psalm sixty-seven. It's not Psalms 67. Psalm 67 is a very short psalm, and we'll read it. Psalm 67. There are seven verses, and the very middle verse is, a, is, is the main... It's almost like you could go from either direction. Notice the very first word of the first verse is God, and the very first word of the last verse is God. And then you go in two verses from either side, and the first word is let, for verse 3 and verse 5. And the middle, in the middle, is you can go from either direction and get to that point. But anyway, the, the Psalm 67 says, God be merciful unto us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah, that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. That's key, right there. Everybody praising God. Now notice verse 5, after verse 4, verse 5 says the exact same thing. Let the people praise Thee, O God, let all the people praise Thee. And then verse 6 says, Then shall the earth yield her increase. Notice that. The earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. Now, look at that middle verse, 4. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon the earth. So it's critical that we uh, praise God and then the, uh, the, the earth will yield her increase. So when we opened up Deuteronomy 26, it's about proclaiming God as the provider for everything that the earth puts forth for us to survive. So that's a good psalm to go along with that. Now, let's keep reading. Where was I at? Uh, 7. Now, so they're remembering when they were in bondage. And when we cried unto the Lord God, our fathers, let's see, and when we cried unto the Lord God of our fathers. The Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. And he hath brought us into this place and hath given us this land even a land that floweth with milk and honey and now behold i have brought the first fruits of the land which thou o lord hast given me notice they're recognizing where it come from it has come from the lord and they're bringing it in the first fruits and thou shalt set it before the lord thy god and worship before the lord thy god And thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given unto thee and unto thine house, thou and the Levite and the stranger that is among you. When thou hast made an end of tithing all the tithes of thine increase the third year, which is the year of tithing, and hast given it unto the Levite, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow, that they may eat within thy gates and be filled. So it's just giving you reasons of why you do these things. Then thou shalt say before the Lord thy God, I have brought away the hallowed things out of mine house. Now, see, this, this tithing, especially the third year tithing, it was basically on the honor system. I mean, there's no way that anybody could know if the, you were bringing in what you were supposed to. So it's on the honor system. And so what they're saying here is, in 13, then thou shalt say before the Lord thy God. See, now this gets into some Ananias and Sapphira things. You know, you're, you're say, you're, if you say before God that I've done what I'm supposed to do, then... That's good enough, because the Holy Spirit can strike you dead for for, for lying, right? So hey, they brought away the hallowed thing. The things that were dedicated to God they have brought out of their own houses, mine house, and also have given them unto the Levite, and unto the stranger, to the fatherless, and to the widow, according to all thy commandments which thou hast commanded me, I have not transgressed thy commandments, neither have I forgotten them. I have not eaten thereof of my mourning, which this is is mourning as in uh, if someone had passed away and you were mourning their death, neither have I taken away thereof for any unclean use, nor given aught thereof for the dead, but I have hearkened to the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that thou hast commanded me. Notice how many times you've heard the word commanded. Commandment, 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 commanded. You just keep seeing it over and over again. Look down from thy holy habitation from heaven and bless thy people Israel and the land which thou hast given us as thou swearest unto our fathers a land that floweth with milk and honey. This day the Lord thy God hath commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments. So we got commandment, statutes, judgments. Thou shalt therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. But don't do any works. You can't be saved by works. Okay, well, we know that. We got saved by grace, but now we're supposed to be obedient to what the Word of God says. What is God telling you to do? There's all kinds of things He's told us to do. Now, how do you know someone loves God? How do you know? What did Jesus say in in John 14? In John 14, starting with verse 15, you can either write that down in your notes, or you can turn there. John 14, starting with verse 15, it says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. That's Jesus speaking. It's pretty simple. If ye love me, keep my commandments. <clears throat> How are you able to do that? You can't do it. As a human being, You just you're, you're pitiful. You don't have the power to do it, so why is he telling you to do it when you can't do it? Well, here's the answer. He promised you the Spirit. And he says, 16, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, notice the capital C on Comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Wow. Now now listen carefully to this next verse. 21. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. So you'll be able to walk a good Christian life and people will say we'll see a little bit of Jesus in you if the holy spirit is in you and you're being led by the spirit and you're actually walking by the spirit and you actually keep his commandments and if you do keep them that is a sign that you actually love him now there are people out there that that study the bible and they go about keeping The commandments in order to try to earn their way into heaven. Okay, we need to recognize that and that's why I preached the message I did a couple Sundays ago. Don't forget about Abel and his sacrifice and how it was accepted. So every now and then we need to be woken up to make sure that we're not keeping commandments to try to earn our way to heaven. But that we've already got it through nothing we've done to earn it. But now that we have salvation, then we need to know what the Word of God says, so we know how to carry ourselves. Um, you know, we're we're living in a world. This country is fast approaching pagan status. We're we're there. We're we're pagans. This country, you know, it 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 has been. You know, when I say this country is a Christian nation, and people say, no, you shouldn't say that. Well, maybe I shouldn't, because we've lost it. We're not a Christian nation anymore. It's very sad. But we have become a pagan nation. And it's because we, we have failed to teach this to our children. We just haven't done it. We've allowed the public education system to totally warp our children's minds. So keeping, keeping His commandments, that's something you should want to do, and it should be easy for you to do. They're not burdensome, right? His commandments are not burdensome unless you're not really saved and you're trying to keep them, then they're very burdensome. But if you're in the Spirit and the Spirit's in you, you're walking in Jesus, it's not that hard. The big difference. It's a big difference. Verse 17, we're back over in Deuteronomy 26. Verse 17, it says, thou hast Uh, vouched the Lord this day to be thy God, and to walk in his ways, and to keep his statutes, and his commandments, and his judgments, and to hearken unto his voice. This Bible right here is definitely his voice. Uh, When we read out of uh, of, uh, Jeremiah, that was God's voice being spoken to a prophet, many, 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 many years ago. This is his voice. Now, we have avouched uh, the Lord. What does that mean? Anybody know? I mean, You probably can figure it out by the context of what it's in, but see this big thick dictionary right here? I brought it. So that's a big word, and that's a word we don't use. I didn't even look at a newer translation to find out, or a new version of the Bible to find out what they... Uh, put in place, I know they put something different. So I went to this old uh, Noah Webster 1828 dictionary. Everybody should have one of these. It's a good workout carrying it around. And avouch, it means um, to call, to affirm, to declare, or assert with positiveness to produce or call in, to affirm in favor of, maintain, or support. Another, number three, to maintain, vindicate, or justify. Now, when we read a little bit more, it's going to say, we read, uh, so 18, look what it says, And the Lord hath avouched thee this day to be his peculiar people, as he hath promised thee, and that thou should ac- shouldest keep all his commandments. So you have avouched him, but really the only reason you've avouched him is because he's already avouched you. So that uh, to, to maintain, vindicate, or justify. That's what God does to us, right? I love this dictionary, but it's hard to carry around. So that's what avouch means. Okay. And and notice promised, God's promise. He promised us. And then verse 19 says, and to make thee high above all nations, which he hath made in praise and in name and in honor. See, we're supposed to be high above all nations. We're supposed to be higher than anybody else in praise. We should be way better at it in praise. That should be something way up praise. And and lift up Jesus' name, the Lord's name, lift it up high. And in honor, he, he deserves all the honor, right? That should be very high and that thou mayest be an holy people unto the Lord thy God as he hath spoken. Now we got three different places we're going to go to for for one verse each. And I have not marked all these places, so I'm going to be looking. I've got one of them marked. This This is, and you don't have to turn here. Again, you can just write it down and look it up later, but listen, this is uh 1 Peter 1, 2. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. And this is these three places that I'm gonna show you in the New Testament match up with what we just read in these last few verses. Uh, 17, 18 and 19, thou hast avouched the Lord this day to, to be thy God, and to walk in his ways, and to keep his statutes, and his commandments, and his judgments, and to hearken unto his voice, and the Lord hath avouched thee this day to be his peculiar people, as he hath promised thee, and that thou shouldest keep all his commandments, okay? And then down in the last verse of Deuteronomy 26, 19, it talks about uh, being a holy people. So the, so the very ending of that is what we're looking at in the New Testament. Deuteronomy is, if you just read th- certain things out of Deuteronomy, you, you didn't tell anybody that you were reading out of Deuteronomy, there's a lot of places in Deuteronomy that you would think they're reading out of the New Testament. It's, it's, it's cool. It's a very cool book. And it's, it's positioned in that place at the end of the book of Moses to where that transition happens of going into the promised land and how Moses couldn't take them in. He could lead them up to the point, but then Joshua, which, which means the same thing, Jesus. When you see Jesus and Joshua, that's the same meaning. And he's the one that had to take them over, just like Jesus has to take us over into the kingdom of God. Uh, the law can't do it, but the law points us in the right direction. It gets us to a certain point, and then Jesus takes us through. Okay, now here's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Uh, and, and what I wrote down was, elected to obedience. We're supposed to keep his commandments, his judgments, his statutes. We're supposed to do that, right? Okay, we are elected to obedience. Look at what this verse says. Elect... According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, notice God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience, there's the obedience right there, and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the Trinity right there in that verse. The Father, the Spirit, and the Son. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So we're elected unto obedience. You see that? Now, there are certain uh, people who teach uh, election in a way that, um, you know, everybody has been given an opportunity, everybody has been given that opportunity. And if a preacher goes out, he's ministering, preaching, and somebody just won't come to the Lord, and then you can say, well, they're just not one of the elect. Oh, well. And you don't feel so bad. I mean, there's there's preachers who preach that. That they're just not one of the elect. Well, the foreknowledge of God elected us to obedience if... We have been set apart, sanctified by the Spirit, and the obedience is what we've learned about Jesus, and we have either ran from Him, or we have surrendered to Him. And that sprinkling of blood, and then that grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. That's, it's offered to everyone. It was predetermined a long time ago by the Father that he would send Jesus to earth to be a sacrifice for us. That was already pre-planned a long, long, long time ago. That was, that's predestination. And then we, as human beings, were, are the elect, and he's done everything for us, but it's up to us. That's where free will comes in. So those very people who will preach on election, they will say that, they would have to say that you have no free will but we do have free will. Just like Ruth had free will, either to, to be accepted by Boaz, he came after her, she wanted him, they got married. Jesus comes after us, do we, do we want what he has to offer? Yes, we do, I want to marry Jesus. We're, we are the bride of Christ. She was a Gentile, we're Gentiles. Uh, going back to where how we first started up, uh, Jacob being a Syrian. He lived in that land for for what, 20 years at least? I mean he worked for seven to get Rachel and then didn't get her, got Leah, got tricked into marrying Leah. So then he said he would work another seven years for Rachel. So that's 14. All these these boys were being born and who knows how many girls, one mentioned, but all these babies were being born. I think all, his, all of Jacob's kids... Alright, so think about it. All his, he had four wives. By the time it was all said and done, called the two handmaids. It was a big competition to see who can have the most babies. They were fighting over him. Poor Jacob. <laughs> and he, So his wives were all from there. They're all Syrians. They're from Padan-Aram. All of his kids were born there, except for maybe Benjamin... Who was born on the travels back? So they were pretty much Syrians. Um, You might your your nationality might be from another place, but where have you lived all your life? Think about that. So instead of uh, African Americans, they're American Americans now. Now their origin might be from Africa, but that was a long time ago. They've lived here their whole life. Their parents lived here their whole life. Their grandparents lived here their whole life. They're now American Americans. So you will be where you live. Are you really a Christian? Or do you just say you are? You can say you're whatever, but what are you really? And it's it's, it's, it's where you are, where you're living and all that. Okay, all right, so that was a cool verse. Now let's turn to Ephesians, if you want to turn there. I'm turning there. And then we're going to be, if you happen to uh, hit Titus, uh, put your finger in Titus And as you're going to Ephesians, and hold on to Titus as well. All right, Ephesians 1. I wrote down Ephesians 1.4. I wrote down chosen... That we should be holy. And what does verse 4 say? According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And notice the next verse having predestinated us. Unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. I mean, you, I mean, Ephesians. I mean, I, you just read it. Read it all. Read it again. I don't care if you read it yesterday. Read it again. It's just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. All right. Uh, the last verse is in Titus. So back up to Titus. I wrote down, Purified, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. 2.14. 2.14 says, Who, talking about Jesus Christ, let's back up a little bit. 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God uh, and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Amen. That's it. All that out of uh, Deuteronomy 26. And we could have done more. I mean, I could have gotten more into the tithing thing, but um, I hope you, you can see all of that and how it matches up with so much in the New Testament and the importance of glorifying his name more than gratifying yourself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again. Father, your word is amazing. Father, just thank you for giving us a place to come together, to study your word. And Father, we want to be a people who remember you and give you our first and our best. <clears throat> and Father, you've done all the work. Father, you have sent the comforter. You've sent the Son. Jesus has gone to the cross, shed his blood, we're cleansed by it, seated at the right hand, interceding for us. Father, I pray that we understand the Holy Spirit being sent, falling on us when we believed, and that we are being led by the Spirit, but I pray that we would be a people who actually walk after the Spirit. Father, we can see in the scriptures that you do not force us to do anything, but that we have to make a decision to keep your commandments. Your ways are so much better than our ways. Father, I just pray that we would be a people who show the world that we love you because we do those things that you say to do. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.